Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of the Facility Dude Podcast. My name is Tony Butler and I'm here with Papa Dude, uh, Bob Bittner. So thank you for joining us. And I know last week we talked about risk management on episode 13. Uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about why you can't afford not to do PMs. And of course, that ties into risk management as well. I know uh, me and Bob were just talking about how PMs are even a form of risk management. Yeah, Tony, uh, good to have you back on the show with me today. You were gone for a couple of weeks, and uh, we're glad you're back. I know the audience is glad to hear your voice again. Hey, I'm and, glad to be back. And um, we, uh, uh, we have talked about preventive maintenance and as a key thing uh, that we talk about uh, a lot about here around the dude. And um, we just want to encourage people and talk a little bit uh, about getting a preventive maintenance uh, program started. You know, a lot of people um, over the years, we know that PMs are important. We, we, in our minds and intellectually, we say, you know, they're important. We ought to do them. Uh, but then there's this barrier that comes up that says, um, how do I get started? Right. Uh, just kind of things that get in our way. Because preventive maintenance, the very first uh, part of that is preventing things from happening. And it takes a great deal of planning in order to do that. And as we know, many of our um, people in facility management lack the time a lot of times to put a preventive maintenance plan in place. I know a lot of the folks we talk to and work with already have so much work on their plate just to keep things running like they have in the past. And to begin a new program is definitely a hurdle for them. Uh, and seems to be a, a lot of planning, a lot of preparation to, to put a PM program into you know, into uh, into place. It almost seems like a, a big mountain to have to climb, yeah. right? They, they look at, at Mount Everest, and they're looking at the peak, uh, and, and yet they know that they've got to start somewhere and, and walk up that mountain to get there to be successful. And I think a lot of times we just become overwhelmed. And then a lot of times people say, well, you know, uh, it costs a lot of money to put a preventive maintenance plan in place. And it's one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about recently about the cost of doing a preventive maintenance program and uh, the negotiations for those costs. So we're kind of, we kind of send, send a double message because we talk to the C-suite and we say we need to, put a, we need to have money to put a PM uh, program into place to save you money. And so we're asking for money to save money. And in some cases, that's the case. In a, in a lot of cases in our maintenance organization, we're doing a lot of things really kind of outside of maintaining equipment. You know, we may be asked to go set up tables and chairs for an event. We may be asked to run to the store to get uh, uh, something for a party uh, because we've got a truck, you know, and we've got people that are available. And so a lot of times we get sucked into doing a lot of things that really are not maintenance-oriented, but more we're available, we have resources we have trucks, we have people, get the maintenance guys to do it. And so it suffers, uh, the, the things that we want to get done suffer because of that. Well, I know in the past we've talked about communicating with the C-suite, you know, what we do, um, what our job entails, and the impact of our job. A lot of times, you know, this is a thankless position where a lot of people don't really see what we do day to day and the importance of the work that we're doing. And so this is a great opportunity for you to 
take a step forward and explain or show, illustrate what it is that you're doing and how important it is that you're focusing on life safety PMs. Uh, you know, you're focusing on taking care of things like the the air handler unit, the chiller, the boiler. Because if that goes down, um, if it goes down this year, maybe we could have, uh, if we did PMs, we could have put that off a couple of years and, and actually plan for replacing it um, versus an emergency, which is going to stop the operations in a particular facility. You know, a lot of times we don't uh, even uh, understand the real co- uh, cost of uh, a fit major failure. Uh, let's say, for instance, we have a chiller that goes down uh, and you're in a hospital environment and you can't use the operating rooms for uh, even half a day. Uh, all the confusion, all the delay, all the expense, and even in that case, it, it could be a life-altering uh, cause that uh, somebody needs emergency surgery. They can't do it at that particular time because the operating room is too hot. The conditions aren't right. Uh, we have in all of our uh, spaces that we uh, work in, um, in our local government, you know, what happens for a day when you have to shut the courtrooms down and you can't have court or uh, a jail gets shut down or just uh, any number of things? Why, uh, if kids don't go to school, the cost of making that up? A lot of times those costs are all hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we as the maintenance organization need to dig in a little bit and say, put some cost, attribute some cost to those uh, kinds of failures and say, here's, if we could have done this beforehand, we could have prevented having that happen. Uh, you know, I, we were talking uh, before the show started, but a lot of times we walk in and uh, very rarely do, uh, does anyone come to say, you know, my office has been the perfect condition condition for the last month. I haven't been too hot. I haven't been too cold. Thank you so much, Mr. Maintenance Person. Or, um, you know, they, they come in and after five years of no roof leaks, someday I know somebody's just going to walk into my office and say, Bob, thank you so much that we haven't had any stain or um, uh, ceiling tiles with mildew on it. That is just so refreshing. I know it's so exciting not to see any roof leaks in our building. We just take those things, for example, when everybody's uh, doing the right job and doing the things ahead of time, and only when afterwards when we're not doing it is when people notice and complain. Yeah, I know we really have to connect the dots for the people who really take those things for granted. I know even here when I walk into the facility, like I've never done that before. And and I work with facility managers every day, so I know that that is a... That is a true statement that, again, it's a thankless job. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of the work that, that we do or that facility managers do go unnoticed. So as we talk about uh, developing a PM program, looking into that, I think we need to do some education. We need to do some education of our, uh, our management, our C-suite, uh, our directors. We need to do some uh, education of our, our constituents in our buildings, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we even have to do it to our own staff. Because, you know, let's, let's face it, maintenance guys like to fix broken things. They get a lot of excitement. They get a lot of their mojo from fixing broken things. And if something's broken, I fix it. Tony, you tell me, hey, Bob, thanks for fixing that. That was great. I really appreciate that. As opposed to, hey, Bob, thanks for my uh, office being the same temperature, which is just perfect for me for the last six months. Uh, we get that, that mojo uh, from a maintenance perspective of fixing things. I think it's kind of a, 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 a in, inherent to us as men as well, which is predominantly uh, in the maintenance field, 
uh, we're getting uh, starting to get some uh, uh, women in the maintenance field, which I think they're going to bring a, a fresh, a new, and kind of a refreshing look uh, into the maintenance organization. And they, they tend to be much better planners than we do. So maybe that's one of the places that we need to start on this as well. I know that's definitely, definitely true when it comes to uh, being better planners. I know, well, you know, in terms of just cost and, and implementing a program, uh, there's a lot of research that's been done. I know you mentioned intellectually, we know and understand that, that PMs are things that we need to do, but just due to our day-to-day workload, they tend to get put on the back burner or the cost of getting started. Uh, we talked about the barriers of, of getting started, and one of those really boils down to us prior, prioritizing our work. Maybe we don't need additional funds to do a safety check or a visual walkthrough, and just putting that on the docket and planning for that is something that, um, that'll that be you know, a step in the right direction. I mean, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, just like that mountain you talked about? How do you climb it? You just begin walking and, and taking that journey. Um, you know, there's a lot of research out there that's been done, and, and I think this will be in the show notes, um, but I've seen where the return on investment for a PM program to be implemented, you know, if, if there was actually a chunk of money that someone could put down, 545% was the number that a, a research firm came up with. That's a huge number. I wish I could get that in the stock market. Yeah, that you make that kind of investment, who wouldn't invest in that, right? Right, right. And the life cycle and the cost of a, of a facility, um, there was one that there was research done on a jail, a 300,000 square foot uh, correctional facility. Uh, the difference in that facility being operated in a run-to-failure environment versus with a PM program implemented was a little over $23 million over 50 years, which is huge. You know, that, It's a lot of money. And, yeah. and one of the things I think also that uh, probably was not even part of that uh, study and that money is the environment that those people were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you, when the environment is optimal uh, – it's never optimal for a prison, right? But uh, from a from a standpoint of the best conditions that you can have to create the environment that is least stressful for the wardens and the inmates and so forth, uh, it, and those are hard to put numbers on. And what kind of incidences are there? I've um, being in the education uh, environment for a long time. I always wanted to study and look through what it uh, meant to have good preventive maintenance over a long period of time to graduation rate and test scores. Oh, and wow. uh, I think that would be a, that would be a neat study uh, to do to try to understand some of the uh, side benefits of those facilities being maintained very well. well. That's a great idea, Bob. I never would have thought about that, but definitely a benefit because there's probably a lot less distractions when everything is operating uh, optimally. And exactly. I know even for, for you as a facility manager or for any facility manager, in that situation where things are operating optimally, I think about the reduced amount of stress that you have uh, as a manager of that particular facility versus always handling uh, emergencies and reactive or corrective work. So I think uh, one of the things that we uh, need to help uh, our audience get over for the initial thought, we know intellectually that we want to, we need to, it's a good thing, we're bought into it, now where do we start? Where do we get, how do we come together? And I think, like so many projects sometimes, uh, we just overwhelm ourselves uh, with the thought of what it is, and we we don't find the time, we don't find the space, we don't uh, plan for those things. So uh, trying to uh, and I always tell people, just get started. Pick an area and get started. You're going to make some mistakes. So what? 
if you make estimated hours on uh, what it's going to take, so what? If it if you estimated it to take uh, twenty minutes and you took it took you forty minutes, you correct that and you go on. Uh, so you'll have better data the next time, but it's better than never having started and right. knowing what, what is planned out there. The other thing I think that uh, preventive maintenance does, it really helps you lay out uh, what your manpower load really need, what you need and what it looks like. And you can talk to management about that. When you start doing those tasks, you capture hours associated with it, and then you can go into your boss and you can say, look, this is what it takes. These are the kinds of things that we can help prevent in the organization if we implement a program like this. Yeah, in that case, again, we're talking about connecting the dots for our decision makers and helping them understand, you know, why we need another staff member. Or, you know, if I work 40 hours a week, but what happens if I have, you know, 30 hours of plan work to do, and on average I get 20 to 30 hours of corrective work. So right there, in a 40-hour week, I have 60 hours worth of work to do. And, and putting numbers to it uh, is something that is powerful for our decision makers to actually see and help them understand why we need another person. Again, they don't see, they don't always see the work we've done. And so this is a great way to help them understand why we need another staff member, what we're actually doing, where we're spending our time, and the importance and benefit of it. And I think a lot of times, too, uh, we as facility managers get a little scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we start putting this plan out and we can't implement all of it, that uh, somebody's going to start coming and questioning us. Uh, and that's okay, too. Uh, you just got to get started, and then you understand what those barriers are that have kept you from, from doing that. And it may be uh, lack of financial resources. It may be lack of manpower, whatever it is uh, that, that gets in the way. But at least you have something to start to talk with about. That's right. In, in terms of expectations, you, you can't expect to do it overnight. It's not going to. It's going to take much longer than a year. It might take you know three years to completely implement a program, your your PM plan, um, and then of course you'll see the impact of that on your budget over the maybe those that third year to fifth year. It's not going to happen immediately, and it takes time. That's a great point, and people shouldn't get discouraged. Shouldn't expect it all to happen right. today. That it's going to take uh, development time. It's going to take. Uh, a period of time to uh, to get involved with that. So, Tony, I know we're going to talk in the, in our next session about exactly just where do we start? What do we do? Kind of putting the things, the pieces together in the puzzle to kick kick start this uh, pre- preventive maintenance programs. But I just like to encourage uh, our listeners today to understand that it is important. It has been important. It always will be important to maintain, to look out, to predict. Uh, what's going to happen to try to avoid those uh, breakdowns, uh, doing good preventive maintenance. It's not only just good for the pieces of equipment, it's good for the environment when our boilers are running efficiently. It's good for uh, the people that are in the buildings that they can get their jobs done uh, correctly and uh, that we really kind of disappear into the background and we just know that we've really created a good environment for people to work in for people to visit our buildings, for people to enjoy our parks, whatever it is, that uh, things are well maintained and they can can use uh, can use the equipment. Can you imagine um, uh, going down to Pullen Park down here in Raleigh and uh, taking your kids down there, and you've promised them you were going to take them on a train ride, <laughs> and you get down there and there's a big sign that says closed. The steam engines blew its engine, 
and uh, very, dis- very disappointing, right? They'd be pretty so, upset. <laughs> uh, and I, I know that seems like kind of a small thing, but, you know, you uh, you blow that up into a bigger environment, and uh, even kids can be disappointed, workers can be disappointed, and it can impact uh, what we do in our life. Yeah, a PM program is a win for everyone involved. For you as a, as a facility manager, for everyone who comes in and out of the doors of your facility, and also the organization. Well, good. Well, we'll look forward to uh, next week and talking about uh, just exactly where do you take that first bite. So, everyone, thank you for joining us today. Uh, next week, again, like we talked about, where do we start with our PM program? Uh, please subscribe on Stitcher and also at iTunes. And you can also email us questions uh, at podcast at facilitydude.com. Or join us on Stitcher or iTunes. And uh, go ahead and send us an email. Let us know how we're doing, if you're enjoying these. And uh, we just uh, enjoy so much every week being able to bring you some new information to help you become better at what you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.